You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Farm Podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and today we're going to be joined by A's Special Assistant Grady Fuson. Always great talking to Grady, and we're going to be getting his insights on some of the top prospects in the A's farm system. Thanks for joining me today, Grady. Good to see you, Billy. How you doing? Good. So as a former scouting director yourself, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the draft from the A's perspective this year? Well, like every draft, it's hard to tell until they get out there and get accustomed to the game a little bit. But, you know, it was uh, the process of everything was, uh, you know, pretty pedestrians, pretty much the same process we've done for years. It's just a little different uh, when you're drafting as late as we were, not only in the first round, we were picking 29, but, you know, consequently, you're picking late in every round. So, the way it gets put together, uh, so many good players go off the board before you pick, in between you pick, and uh, you just got to get things as good as, as you can as, as the process goes on round by round. That's what I was saying. It's been a while since the A's had their first pick that, that late in the game. It, of course, it took me back to the Bobby Crosby, Jeremy Bonderman days. I, I don't know if it, if it reminded you of that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember those uh, pretty good. Yeah, they, I forget what our number, 24, 25, 25, 26. We had back-to-back. Um, uh, very fortunate to get two big leaguers, you know, out of that situation. Right, exactly. So uh, so now what have you been up to uh, ever since the draft uh, in the first week of June? Well, same as usual, just kind of regroup and uh, start hitting the club. So, you know, been around to Vegas, Stockton, and – sat in Oakland for the Minnesota series. Um, I'm in Beloit right now on my way to Midland in Arizona and then uh, Vermont uh, mid-August and uh, helped Keith Lipman try to finalize uh, what we're going to do in instruction league, who we're going to bring. Instruction league is going to be a little different this year. So <clears throat> we've got some, um, some different ideas going on as far as, uh, how we're going to put that camp together. So, anyway, it's been an enjoyable summer so far. The uh, the nationwide tour continues. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm 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 kind of curious now that you mentioned that. Are you able to uh, to to share anything more about how how instructional league is going to be different this year? Well, we to some degree we've been forced to kind of move it up. There's a lot of clubs over the last couple of years that have basically either really shortened their instructional league. And there's now a handful of clubs that aren't even having one. Mm. Uh, some of those clubs are doing something in January. So number one, we're, we're uh, you know, we're kind of struggling for teams to compete and play with. 
Uh, and to do that, we've had to move it up to earlier in September. So I think we're going to report on the 8th of September and uh, we'll be done. It's just going to be a three-week program and we'll be done at the end of the September. Right. I remember now that the, the Arizona Fall League schedule is moving up and starting in September this year as well. So that's also kind of helping to move everything forward in the offseason, I think, right? Yeah. And you know, a lot of it, we're finding out more and more. It's not probably in our best interest to have that time off space for pitching. Right. You know, for example, a, a young man in Beloit is done in September 3rd, and he has that off time until the 15th of September before he has had to report to instructional league. So there's that 12 day period in there where, you know, they haven't really thrown much and done much. And so it takes a week, week and a half to get them regrouped and, and get them ready to throw. So this way, you know, on the pitching side, we're moving up. As soon as the season's over, they, there will be no downtime for pitching. They report and they go. Right, right. So that, that, that theory of not letting the pitchers uh, sit, around, sit around idle for too long anyway. Right. Okay, well, speaking of pitchers, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you about, you know, of course, guys like Puck and Caprillion and Jeffries and Holmes and all those guys. But I, but I just wanted to start out by asking you about Jesus Lazardo. Everyone's always interested in him. Is there any kind of update on, on where he's at and what he's up to uh, down in Arizona at this point? Yeah, so he was throwing good. I was in Vegas when he made that AAA uh, rehab start. He threw well. He threw hard. He threw strikes. Uh, but a day later, he ends up with a little lat strain. It has nothing to do with anything that uh, he did to his shoulder. So it's basically a lat strain. So, you know, those take a little time. So he was pain-free within a week. And now they're just doing some rehab work, and he has been – uh, throw on the baseball again a little bit. So it shouldn't be too long before he comes back out again. So uh, maybe sometime in August, he's uh, out on a rehab assignment again, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Okay. Safe great. To say. Uh, good, good, good. That's, uh, that's always good to hear. Well, like I said, I'm going to ask you about some more pitchers, but I, I wanted to start out by asking you about some, some of the hitting prospects and, uh, a guy who's not technically considered a prospect anymore, but he is still 23, and people forget, is Franklin Barreto. And I'm just curious about him because he's had a few shots with the A's now. He's been up and down between major leagues and AAA. You know, he's hit, had some great um, great times in AAA where he's really hitting the ball well. You know, and he, and he seems to struggle a bit at, at the major leagues. Where do you feel Franklin Barreto's at? What do you think he's going through, and what do you think he needs to do to succeed? Well, Franklin's become a very sporadic you know, offensive player. I mean, when you look at the beginning of the season, he struggled like all get outs and then boom, he put together a month where he raced back up to about 290, hit some homers and then a little bit more of a, uh, a crash. And then now he's in the big leagues and he's had some promising moments, but at the same time, he's had his struggles and uh, as explosive uh, as the ball could come off his bat at times. And we all know he's got power for a little man, he still really fights his approach to off-speed pitches. And that's what gets him, you know, behind in counts. It gets him to chase. And those are the things that are just keeping him from, you know, rising to the degree of his talent level right now. 
Right, right. Well, definitely be great to see him finally put it all together and be able to succeed at the major league level. It'd certainly be a great, uh, a great blessing for the A's. That's for sure. Well, um, this is this is a good time. You know, yeah. I mean, with, you know, Pro Profar had been struggling, and so the organization decided, hey, there's no better time than now to give Franklin some consistent at bats, and he was given that for a week or so, and now it's kind of back and forth between him and Profar the way Bobby. Uh, sees the matchup. So we'll see where it goes the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, another uh, interesting uh, middle infield prospect is Jorge Mateo, who, you know, really came out of the gate as as strong as could be this year, had a great first few months. Um, he's uh, he's cooled off a bit since he's returned from the Futures game in the last uh, last week or so. But, man, he certainly had a great few months there. What, where, what are you seeing out of Jorge Mateo uh, uh, so far this season? Really, really impressed. Number one, just about it, the, the kid's attitude, uh, his ability uh, to, to be with his teammates, and his work ethic. Things have really changed for him. He's getting after it. Uh, he's worked at it. Uh, and he's playing. He's For the most part, he's played very, very well. He's done a much better job uh, on defense. Uh, he's improved his approach. He's become a little bit more selective early in the count. You know, he still has some issues late in the count where a little panic sets in. You know, there's some pop in there. He's Everybody knows he's got great legs. Kick can really fly. You know, the only concerning thing is he's, is the discipline part of it. His walk rate is still, you know, frightening low uh, for a guy that you're hoping can create some on-base to go with his hitting ability when he gets there, but he is definitely closing in, and he is he is earning some type of opportunity at some point in the big leagues. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he gets uh, gets the call in September anyway, so they can get a little better look at him uh, the final month of the season. Um, what about uh, Sheldon Noisy? You know, he's another interesting story in that he struggled last year, and he's just been having a, a great season in his second year at AAA, and he actually just seems to be getting stronger and, and, and better as the season has gone on. Yeah, he's another player. In fact, if you're going to bring up any of the Las Vegas offense players, <clears throat> there's major improvement in basically all of them. Mm-hmm. But back to Noisy, you know, he's more grounded now at the plate. Uh, he's not as jumpy. He's not as leaky. He's seeing the baseball better. He's playing good on the other side of the baseball defensively. And he's also played some second base this year as well. And, you know, it's kind of interesting over there. He's not the the quickest rangiest guy, but his hands play, he turns a nice double play. Uh, but it's his offense, as we know, that's uh, got to get him there. And he's had a very solid year. Well, as we know, as a third baseman, the, the opportunities with the A's at that position aren't, aren't, aren't too promising. So I, I guess if he's going to see time with the A's, he, he definitely is going to have to get a little more versatile. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Another guy there at uh, Las Vegas this year, I'm curious to get your take on, is Dustin Fowler. You know, there definitely were some improvements that needed to be made in, in his approach. Where do you feel he's at? Uh, do you feel he's he's made some improvements this year? Do you feel he's still got a ways to go? Uh, uh, what do you feel about Dustin Fowler right now? He has made some improvements. He's made much more of a commitment as far as staying inside the baseball, staying on it longer driving the baseball to the middle or the opposite side of the field. If you remember Dustin, he was more of a hooker 
mm-hmm. and a lot of rollovers to the pole side instead of staying on it. He's worked extremely hard at that. He's gotten better at it. Um, he plays a plus outfield. He's running well. Uh, the good thing is I think you're looking at a player now that's 100% healthy as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's another guy that the only negative is, you know, he's historically been a low walk guy. So right. that's indicative to a hitter's patience, his selectivity, and all those things, even though it looks like they're success. Uh, those are the things that get really get exposed for young players in the big leagues. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that can be a real Achilles heel once you get to the major leagues. And uh, guys realize you're a bit of a free swinger and not willing to sit on bad pitches. That You, you can definitely get exposed there, right? Exactly. One last I wanted to ask you about in terms of position players at Las Vegas. Now, we know uh, the A's top catching prospect, Sean Murphy, went on the IL, and he's been rehabbing down in Arizona recently and uh, making his way back. But I'm curious about the guy who took his place there, and that's Jonah Heim, who came up from Double A Midland. And he's really just hit the cover off the ball uh, as soon as uh, he arrived in Vegas and, and never really stopped. He just uh, just recently went on the injured list himself. But but what do you think of uh, Jonah Himes uh, uh, time here at Triple A? And where does he figure on the uh, the catching prospect depth chart at this point? It, it, he's been amazing. Um, he's called full circle uh, for a big six four, more of a lanky body guy. He's got amazing flexibility. Uh, he has blocked well all year. He has thrown accurately all year. He's put up much more competitive at-bats. You know, I wouldn't expect your fans to expect big power out of him down the road. I mean, you know, the Las Vegas ballpark kind of assists everybody with with some hitting and some power numbers because of the elevation and right. and things that go on down there. But the quality of his at-bats have really – uh, become, you know, what we, what we call in the system, you know, professional at bat. You know, you're swinging at strikes, you're taking balls, uh, your hand path, your attack angle is on, on playing. He's doing all that. He's playing great. Before we get to some pictures, that brings up a, a, another question about, about the ballpark in Vegas. Just, just how much of a hitter's park is that? How much does it affect the hitters' numbers, and and how does that affect your ability to really accurately assess the performance of some of those hitters at Vegas? Yeah, well, you know, the Coast League has always been the Coast League. I mean, it's you've always had uh, cities in the Coast League like Reno and Las Vegas and Albuquerque and Colorado Springs, even though they're out of the league now. That you know, they're just elevated. The balls fly. Uh, the air is lighter. Uh, now in AAA, AAA is uh, using major league balls. Uh, right. We know that there's been some issues about the baseball that, you know, homers are up everywhere. Well, they're they're up even more in AAA. Right. So, it, you know, over, over the years, it just goes with the territory. And, um, you know, you have to let your eyes and your own instincts, you know, determine to some degree, you know, how much – help and assistance is playing here giving you versus what it's going to be like when you start spreading yourself around the big leagues. I mean, to hit a ball hard isn't the same anywhere, uh, anywhere, but some places help with carry and all the other things. And you just kind of find ways to kind of figure that out. There's no 
exact science that's going to tell us, you know, if you do this in Vegas, this is what's going to happen in the big leagues. Right. You know, <laughs> it, it's all, it's all just uh, your, your your own guess. Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of uh, of guys who've perhaps been affected by Vegas, I wanted to talk about some pitchers, and I wanted to start out with Parker Dunshee, who started out the year in Midland, being his typical dominant self there. Uh, since he's moved up to Vegas, he's definitely had some struggles. He's definitely given up a few long balls there. Uh, where do you feel Parker Dunshee's at at this point, and what do you think he he's going through right now? Um, I think he's going through what was needed for him to go through. It's not the ballpark that has caused this uh, difference in his statistical performance. You know, we've been talking to Parker over the years about, you know, using and being able to locate his fastball better. He's, uh, you know, he's a kid that has a big mix. He's got a cutter. He's got a slider. He's got a curveball. He's got a change. And, you know, up through AA, he's been able to go to those second secondary pitches to get himself uh you know, out of trouble. Right. And we've been telling them, you know, the the major league game is going to bite you in the butt a little bit because you're a guy that really pitches around 90. You have to be a sur- superb locator of your fastball. And the only way you're going to be good at it is you got to throw it more. And so, uh, you know, even last night, as good as he was rolling early, when it was all said and done, he only uses his fastball, you know, 50% of the time. So it's, you know, it's been talked to by, you know, not only Gil and the pitching coaches, but by my, my me and his manager down there. So, and I know Scott Emerson is behind us. He, he makes comments about, you know, him and Howard both about mm-hmm. using that heater. You're going to have to use that fastball in the big league. So, you know, he's, he's gone, he's had some tough outings up there and, uh, but I, he's going to come through it. He's a smart kid. Uh, he's got intelligence for the game, and uh, I trust he's going to figure this out. Yeah, so basically, from, from your point of view, the, the secondary stuff that he was able to fool uh, uh, high-A and double-A hitters with, uh, he's not able to, 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 to fool triple-A hitters with. Exactly, and it's even going to get tougher in the big leagues. Right, right. It ain't going to get any easier. Well, you already mentioned the next guy I was going to ask you about, and that's Brian Howard. We always – Think of Dunshee and Howard together. They've moved through the system, but Howard has remained at Double A Midland this year. He's really been one of the best pitchers in the Texas League thus far. But where do you feel he's at, and and what do you feel he's got left to learn uh, before he can make that move to Triple A? Well, as good as he's been, he's he's a little similar to Parker. Um, he's another kid that's got a big big mix, and you know it, it's hard to be sharp every fifth game out there with five pitches. You know, and I would say this about both of them. And that's why this usage, this fastball usage, you know, becomes so important. But he's had he's had another tremendous season. And at some point, I'd love to see him uh, get to AAA when we find some room and get him tested there. Uh, but very proud of him. And he's uh, he's one of our better minor league starters in waiting. Would you say he, he throws right around the same speed as Dunchy? Are they both like right around 90 or is yeah, every once in a while, Brian will pop you 93 and things like that. And so does Parker, but they basically both pitch around 90. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, you got to do everything just right. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me ask you about a, a couple other guys that are there at uh, Midland right now. Um, Dalton Jeffries coming back from the Tommy John surgery. 
obviously it's great to see he still has the uh, the command and control that he was always known for in college. He's only, I think he's walked uh, less than half a dozen guys the, the whole season at this point. He's got more strikeouts than innings pitched. Uh, where, where do you see uh, Dalton Jeffries is at at uh, this stage of the game and his uh, trek back from Tommy John? Uh, I'm so happy for the kid. He's worked so hard through his rehab and everything he's been through, and he's come back. Uh, as good, if not better, than he was. Um, he's got a good life fastball. He touches 95, pitches at 92s and 3s. He's got movement down the zone. He's got a plus changeup. You know, the slider, the cutter, cutter, slider, slutter, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. still is, you know, it's going to be a work in progress uh, for a while to, to see if he can come up with a, a dominant secondary pitch. But, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the gig, but he has pitched uh, healthy. Uh, there's been no setbacks. Um, so I'm very proud and happy for the kid. Now, I know he's been limited to pretty much three innings in each outing this year. I guess that's probably going to continue through the end of the season. Do you expect that he'll be off the leash next year and able to function as a, as a regular starter again? Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, you just can't go completely off the leash. You can't go from – you know, 80 innings or 90 innings to 200. Right, right. Uh, you, you might be able to add another 60 to it, get him up to 150. But, you know, we'll watch that as we go forward and see where it ends up. So maybe kind of like Lazardo that second year after Tommy John, where he's kind of around five innings every every start or so. Right. Uh, okay, now another guy there at Midland uh, is uh, Grant Holmes, and, uh, you know, he had all the shoulder trouble last year, missed almost all last season, uh, lost a little time early this season as well. But since he came back in uh, in May, it seems like he's just been getting better and, and looking stronger each time out. He had his longest outing of five innings, five scoreless innings uh, recently. Um, where do you feel Grant Holmes is at at this stage of the season? Well, he's certainly coming back full tilt. I mean, like you said, if you watch, if, if you watch his games, he's he's performing better each time out. Mm-hmm. Um, he really hasn't had a uh, 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 thumper in there, you know. I mean, he's the velocity is starting to climb, the sharpness to the breaking ball is starting to come back. So, uh, you know, cross our fingers. He's he's been healthy. Um, he feels good, and that's that's the biggest part of our job is keeping these kids as healthy as we can <laughs> yeah no, nothing else matters if they're not healthy <laughs> that's right uh, a couple guys we haven't touched on yet one of them's there at midland uh aj puck of course making his way uh back after uh, uh tommy john as well um uh, kind of interesting i mean he's been throwing very hard he um he's had some good results some mixed results at times where do you think Puck's at, and how much further does he have to go to kind of get where he needs to be? Well, you're right. He's, he's, his slider and his fastball, everything's doing great. He feels good. Uh, they've taken away his changeup a little bit right now currently because the pronation in that move was kind of starting to bug his elbow a little bit. So mm. he's really going after these guys with two pitches right now. He's He's throwing hard. He's been in command. He's been sharp. So we're just going to continue to play it out, and hopefully there's a there's a point in there where the changeup comes back. He's definitely going to need that pitch eventually when he goes back to being a uh, you know an every fifth day starter. So we'll see you know where that goes from here. 
Uh, yeah, obviously, it's looking like the rest of this season, he's pretty much just going to be throwing one or two innings and, and, and remaining a, a reliever type for the rest of this season anyway, I guess. We'll see, yeah. Now, uh, how, how hard has he been throwing as far as you're aware? Uh, 94 to 97, maybe mm-hmm. touching a 98 here and there. Right. Well, that's good. That's that's always good to know. Uh, the other guy that obviously very high profile everyone's interested in, who's been throwing at Stockton, and that's uh, James Caprillion uh, coming back from all his injury issues and finally getting back on the mound. I think it's been about two and a half years since he'd actually uh, pitched competitively. Uh, what have you been seeing out of James Caprillion in his time at Stockton so far? Well, he's he's doing good. I mean, obviously, he's probably had the most serious condition of any of these pitchers because he's had uh, numerous things go on and there's been a little uh, tweak and change uh, to his arm action that, you know, he had when he was younger. So he's kind of relearning himself as a pitcher. I'm actually pleased that the velocity is, is up to where it is. You know, he's, Somewhere between ninety and ninety-four every time he goes out. Okay. Uh, there's flash. There's flashes of the breaking ball coming back. I think mentally he's concerned, a little over concerned that he's not throwing, you know, ninety-six again like he did, you know, during the trade or prior to the trade or right. You know, when he first signed with the Yankees, and I think that bothers him some. We've tried to tell him, hey. This is a marathon, man. It's not a sprint. <laughs> um, you know, things will come back when they come back, but don't lose your ability to pitch. And he's a great kid. He's he's ultra competitive. Uh, he's a pro's pro. He works at it daily. So I expect the best. Well, you know, just once again, you're you're crossing your fingers and just hoping a kid like this just stays healthy. Yeah, well, one one good thing, like Jeffries, uh, you know, he hadn't pitched for so long. It's good to see him showing uh, at least the, the the command that he has and the control that he's shown. You know, he hasn't been been walking guys. He's been uh, racking up a lot of strikeouts. I mean, for a guy who hadn't pitched in over a couple of years, that, that's certainly nice to see. Yeah. Now another guy at Stockton that I that I just wanted to to wrap up by asking you about, who's really been um, impressive this year. Brady Feigl, he was a draft pick of yours just last year, and he's really been one of the, the best and most consistent starters in the system for you this year. So what are your impressions been of, uh, of Brady Feigl thus far? Well, it's command over stuff, and that that's always going to hold up, and that's what he's doing. He's, You know, his stuff is not overpowering. He's another guy that pitches around 90. He may touch a 91 and two here and there. Pitches around 90. He's got He's got two little shapes to his slider. One of them is a real hard little downer move that he's getting a lot of those Cal League guys to chase on. But more importantly, this guy pounds the strike zone with fastball slider and change. And, you know, that's going to carry you uh, as long as uh, you need it to. Yeah, he certainly looks like a very it, professional pitcher at this early stage of his career. And ho- hopefully that'll help him advance uh, fairly rapidly through the system anyway. He's doing fine, yeah. Great. Well, it's always good talking to you and, and getting your insights on some of these guys. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today, Grady. Okay, Billy. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of the Ace Farm Podcast.
Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on all the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 